Hello and welcome to another episode of Schlock Tactics, the movie podcast where we believe badder is better and aim to watch the truly terrible troll movies so that you don't have to. My name is Ash and I'm joined once again by Mark. Oh hi Mark! Hello! So after a uh, little break from the podcast we have returned. Uh, If you missed the last episode it was a Godzilla special to celebrate the new film and the 65th anniversary of Godzilla. So uh, we did Son of Godzilla and the ever controversial Godzilla 1998 uh, aka Roland Emmerich's Godzilla. So if you did miss that episode uh, go back and check it out. It's still available there and you can kind of see uh, some of the not so good entries into the massive uh, Godzilla franchise. In the meantime actually you may have noticed over on our YouTube channel we have been publishing short uh, reviews of more current movies, uh, not necessarily bad movies, some of them quite good. Uh, it's a little show called Short Sharp Schlocks, so uh, go over there and check out the, the YouTube channel, the Schlock Tactics YouTube channel, and you can uh, see some of those shorter reviews as well if you want to keep up with the most recent movies, and if you don't have too much time on your hands, they're only about five minutes apiece, so you can go check that out as well. But today we are back in business, we are back to our usual programming, and we are uh, reviewing one of the most infamous uh, bad movies. It's on the Mount Rushmore of bad movies, <laughs> the the iconic Troll 2. And of course, if you've got to review Troll 2, then I guess you have to review Troll 1 as well. <laughs> so we're doing that one as well. So uh, Troll from 1986 and uh, the, the infamous Troll 2 from 1990. So first of all here, we are going to get into uh, Troll itself from 1986. So this comes out in the kind of uh, the height of little rubber monster creature features, the gremlins, the critters, the ghoulies. Um, and so here, here's a sort of version of that. It's called Troll. And as you can imagine, it is about a troll, uh, a short little gobliny creature. Um, this was uh, directed by John Carl Buchler, um, a guy that would go on actually to direct the ghoulies movie. So I, I think he, he got his practice in on this one for little ridiculous looking puppets and they would also do a Friday the 13th film later on as well so a guy that knows his horror loves his horror and in fact this film was meant to be a lot more of a horror film (laughs) um, before uh, I think the studio insisted that it become a PG-13 so it's sort of it's one of those films that starts off as a horror film and somewhere along the way they, they wanted it to be a kids film but you can't quite remove all of the horror elements and all of the terrifying sort of freakish creatures it turned out to not even be scary, even for kids. No. I mean, they probably are going for Gremlins, which is a very rare example of a, a, a horror film that is all right for kids as well. Yeah. Although still quite scary. Um, but yeah, they didn't nail either camp in this no. film. Well, they nailed the camp, but they didn't hit horror or kids film uh, tenets. So yeah, this one is, is all set in a, in a uh, block of flats, block of apartments in America. Both of these films actually start off with um, kind of a fairy tale montage or opening to sort of set the scene that we're going to be seeing some some fairy tale type uh, characters Mm -hmm. uh, inserted into present day America even though they were both filmed in Italy Um, um, so we get like this long zoom on this sort of um, fairy tale book over the opening credits and you get these kind of fairy tale scenes in the woods then we we cut to our sort of protagonist in the movie the, the Potter family so yes that does include Harry Potter Junior um, yeah. and, <laughs> and Harry Potter, Potter Senior. <laughs> Eleven years before J.K. Rowling claims that she just came up with the name Harry Potter out of nowhere and a setting that involves goblins and fairies out of nowhere. <laughs> I think J.K. Rowling is a secret fan of this movie. Has she been quizzed on this? 
Yes, she claims that she has no knowledge of this film, okay. which I do believe. Um, <laughs> but but that doesn't mean that there isn't some, someone there that maybe suggested Subconsciously it. Subconsciously, yeah. yeah, slipped in. She must have heard this name somewhere. She didn't just think of the name Harry Potter. That's uh, I don't believe that. Because there's two Harry Potters in this film. It's not just <laughs> yeah. one, there's two. So there's a uh, uh, father and, and son here. Son is actually played by the kid who was Atreyu in The NeverEnding Story. Ah. Uh, the guy that's... Uh, well, the kid that loses his horse in the swamp, and you always see it memed as being the saddest thing to ever happen in a movie. Um, so, yeah, he impressed in a never-ending story and got picked up to play Harry Potter Jr. <laughs> in Troll. So it's not bad going for him. His his dad, as they've moved in, says he's going to go around the corner and get a rat burger. No explanation of what this necessarily is. <laughs> it maybe ties in with the, uh, uh, the anti-meat uh, message of, yeah. of Troll 2 as well but he's going to go and get a disgusting rat burger he says can you can you watch your little sister while I do that and he just says I'd rather watch Star Trek so nobody watches his sister <laughs> so she's just left to roam around this apartment block that they've never been to before ends up going down into the basement and straight away two and a half minutes in you see the creature straight away grabbing her yeah. uh, grabbing her in the basement well, what were your um, first impressions of, of this creature this troll creature and how it looked well, it wasn't scary. <laughs> I was just quite shocked to see it so early on. It just mm. didn't. It didn't follow any kind of yeah. horror norms. Where no. you get about a th- usually get about a third of the way into a film before you see any yeah. kind of beast. But yeah, it, it's, it's small. Kind of looked like like the leprechaun. Any, yeah, the leprechaun. I was thinking movies. that. It yeah, looked yeah. Like uh, the leprechaun. It is. It is a short actor in a suit. Um, and the short actor plays a separate character, which we'll get to as well. But yeah, this is a, a short actor in a, in a rubber sort of suit. And I mean, it looks better than the, the creatures in the second film. You can see, obviously, more of a budget in this movie. Mm. Um, I, I thought it looked, it looked pretty good. Like I say, it's not very scary, but it does look like some sort of um, fairy tale you know, troll under the bridge, which is yeah. meant to look like more so. So I thought I was pretty good. It's got this like little em- emerald ring again, quite leprechaun ish. It doesn't really have any weapons or bite you or anything. It just comes up to you and kind of um, puts his ring in your face, mm. and it'll like uh, inject you into your arm or something. And that's how he kind of um, he turns you into like vegetation yeah. into trees. <laughs> but it's worth noting every article mentioning these films says that there's absolutely no link between these two troll 2 is not a sequel to troll 1 and there's no similarities at all but there are like mm. there're definitely there's definitely a plant based vegetation <laughs> theme throughout both of them so even if it was unintentional um you do get that in this in this film and the idea is early on even though you see the creature early on what he does is he transfers his uh spirit into the younger sister so he possesses the younger sister and so, so she's going to be the troll for a third of the film, maybe, yeah. <laughs> just a sort of, sort of like the little kid from Poltergeist, creepy little blonde kid. It's rat burgers all round. Uh, Harry Potter Senior says um, they all sit in there. You know, as is a tradition, certainly in, in my life, you move into a new house, you get a chippy yeah. for the first night in. You've got no food in. You know, so they get the, the Potter family get rat burgers. That's their sort of family tradition when they move. We're introduced into some quite colourful characters in this apartment block. <laughs> We've got Mr. Dickinson, who is this kind of pervy old sort of sleazy character, inexplicably played by Sonny Bono uh, of Sonny and Cher fame. Uh-huh. Um, he was only available for like a couple of hours for this film. because <laughs> I, I don't know whether he was very famous, uh, but that's all he had available. He's sort of a swinger. Uh, there's like a, a former marine type that's like <laughs> jogging around the building and he's sort of weirdly um, 
anti-literature, yeah. anti-magazines. It's like, you're reading a book? Like, That's for commies yeah. uh, and stuff like that. The swingers, like, annoyed that they're making noise or something. Yeah, he doesn't... Because <laughs> he wants to have women run. You can't have kids running around here because I'm going to be fucking anything that moves and bring, <laughs> bringing home loads of sweet ass is the sort of uh, the theme. Um, and then we're introduced here to uh, a very young uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who uh, people will recognise already from Seinfeld and uh, and many other things as well. This is her very first uh, debut in a feature film, and uh, she, she plays just a sort of a girl-next-door sort of character, skipping around sort of fairly uh, inoffensively, and she, she's got a boyfriend as well who's not featured too much. So Wendy, the younger sister here, starts to kind of... Um, sort of show off these uh, troll-like powers while still looking like a child. So she goes rabid and starts, like, biting people. <laughs> She's got superhuman strength and can, like, throw her dad into a wall and stuff like that. And they just all are like, ha, ha, oh, kids and their silly games and stuff like that. She goes, I'm Godzilla or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice Godzilla reference. She wanders into Mr. Dickinson's sort of love den. Well, obviously, he wants her to get out because he's got a... A lady coming over, but then the troll, uh, I mean, the troll, the troll ends up, or she ends up injecting Mister Dickinson with, with the little ring here, and he sort of falls on the floor and just gets a really fat like face and throat, and starts like the green liquid starts coming out of his uh, out of his mouth, and that's him sort of turning into a plant. First of many sort of cutscenes where we we cut to a kind of a forest setting where there are all these bizarre puppets sort of. Fucking, it looks like. <laughs> it's some sort of. It's like one that looks like a, a, just like a massive turd. One that looks like a gill man from Creature from the Black Lagoon. Mini versions of the troll itself, and it just they're all like writhing over each other, and the whole like the whole whole apartment turns into like vegetation and plants everywhere. So it escalates quickly, really. Once that once the troll sort of injects Mister Dickinson, his his whole flat turns into this sort of sex party. I suppose because that's what he used his flat for. Maybe there was a continuity there because <laughs> his flat was used for fucking then they use it for fucking but you get your first look at these other kind of um fairy or nymph type characters that are really much lower budget than the main troll they're really like cr- quite crappy um puppets that are sort of just sort of writhing over each other and going yeah. <laughs> this sort of stuff so really bizarrely there's an old woman that lives at the sort of top of the block of flats she's got a mushroom in a pot that sings and talks yeah, yeah. to her. I'm not sure if this was ever explained. It was really weird. No. It just looks like this sort of dickhead in a pot <laughs> with a face that just like sings to her and she sort of talks to it and sometimes puts a cloth over it. Eunice, her name is, I think. Eunice, her name is, yeah, yeah. So she's the kind of um, witchy pagan character for this film, like mm. there is in, in Troll 2. Harry Jr. Uh, comes up to sort of ask her about uh, what's happening in the apartment building. Yeah, she calls him a ninny. And then Wendy encounters this character outside the building who is actually the same short actor who is in the suit, the troll suit. And he's playing a character here, Malcolm Mallory, <laughs> who's sort of like a like an erudite sort of teacher, a professor type. He's wearing like a tweed jacket. Yeah. Uh, even though he's really short, he's got like a tweed jacket and uh, he looks quite uh, refined, quite sophisticated. He sort of looks like a small Lionel Richie. <laughs> um, this is played by a guy called Phil Fondacaro. And his his filmography is a bit of a who's who. Uh, like many short actors, he's got his big break as an Ewok in Star Wars. 
like many of the Ewoks, he went on to be in Willow as uh, one of the local short villagers. He was actually uncredited in Invaders from Mars, a film we did a couple of episodes ago. He was a drone. He was in the Garbage Pail Kids movie, another, (laughs) uh, perhaps not on the Mount Rushmore, but quite a a big (laughs) and bad movie. Ghoulies 2, Phantasm 2 as a hooded dwarf, uncredited. Something called Nerds of a Feather. I'm sure we'll end up doing some of these films. Yeah, so I think he's going to pop up again, for sure, sooner rather than later. Uncredited man at birthday party in the doors. <laughs> Poor sod doesn't get credits in many things. That's uh, quite prolific, perhaps second only to, to Warwick Davis, but Phil Fondacaro here, who's playing the dual roles of Malcolm Mallory and uh, Torok the Troll. And it's just, it's just really a, quite a formula to this film where Wendy, as possessed by the troll, visits various characters in the apartment building in their apartments in an attempt to possess them and turn them into kind of a, uh, a plant or like a pod person. Um, and I think throughout the film, Harry Jr. does watch an old sci-fi film that looks similar to Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You can tell they're, they're reaching quite high in, in something like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. is quite a clever political satire. They're, mm. they're not quite at that level, but you can see they're sort of looking at the whole um, who are your neighbours, you know, the yeah, McCarthyism yeah. Of, of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Can you trust the person in the flat next to you? What if they were one of them, yeah. one of a troll in this film? So there, he is reaching for bigger things here, certainly bigger things than Troll 2. Mm. I, I did think a, a, quite a plus for this film was the uh, the sets in the apartments. It put a lot of effort into having each apartment for each character stand out and be particular to that character. So mm. the Mr. Dickinson has got like leopard print rugs on the wall because he's yeah. a shagger. Mm. And the a Marine guy's got like loads of guns and stuff and trophies on the wall. And um, Eunice has got kind of witchy witchy medieval things. So like all, this, all the decorations and the furniture does kind of tie into each character, which I thought was quite a good attention to detail for a film like this anyway and then the family's home is just completely normal by comparison yeah because they're meant <laughs> to be nice contrast you're every man yeah, yeah. they are us in yeah. this uh, strange apartment yeah. building um wendy invites this uh, malcolm mallory uh, dwarf character around for tea and you just get a litany of, of dwarf jokes as soon as he comes in they they reel them off as though they were contractually obligated to do so Mm. Malcolm, uh, he ends up being some sort of professor that specialises in fairy tales and folk tales and stuff like that, conveniently. And there's a very strange scene where he's reading a fairy tale to the family around the table. All of the weird puppet creatures in the um, in the forest apartment downstairs just break into a musical number all of a sudden. Mm. As an actual, I mean, I, th- I think I read that there were meant to be words to this song, but the puppets were too shit to mime along to it they didn't have the the features to make it look like they were talking so it just ended up being um, which is what it was to a weird sort of musical tune this is where it started to get a bit like a bad acid trip my notes get very vague here. <laughs> oh, no, the little Eunice's little mushroom gets a solo in this song as well and because it does have a face I think it gets more more dialogue Eunice takes a big um, like horn off the wall and blows it to, oh, yeah. to do, I don't know what that does, call someone's attention. All the, all the trolls stop singing, don't they? Yeah, silence the, 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 the trolls and goblins downstairs. And it's obviously revealed at this point that Eunice is a witch and she has the power and the, and the knowledge to, to defeat all of the, the goblins and, and whatnot. Harry Jr. Uh, goes up to see Eunice again. 
She says, oh, I thought I heard a prepubescent knock on the door. <laughs> okay, how can you tell? <laughs> Wendy visits uh, Jeanette, to the character played by um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. All of a sudden, she gets turned into some sort of nymph, um, running half-naked through the woods. She hates it if this film is ever brought up in her presence. She's tried to forget this. Just like Jennifer Aniston tried to forget she was in Leprechaun and, and all these sorts of people. She's uh, thoroughly ashamed that she was ever in this movie and she doesn't appreciate anyone mm-hmm. anyone uh, reminding her. Yeah. But here she is transformed into some sort of wood nymph on an acid trip. Troll sort of <laughs> sits in a chair in the corner and it's like he's getting a lap dance from her, which is very strange. We do get an, what I would call an actual quite quite a good bit of um, writing and acting here uh the malcolm mallory character he um when he goes to see him in his apartment and he gets this kind of quite good monologue about um uh, what, what it's like to be disabled and the sort of ponders the nature of death and magic and is i sort of forgot i was watching a bad movie for maybe yeah. two minutes because <laughs> he's he's some quite good dialogue quite well delivered as a monologue because he was a quite, quite a humble nice character as well yeah <laughs> i quite i think he was probably the best actor in the film he was he was quite good especially in this monologue kind of talking about you know do you know how difficult it is to 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 be uh, a sh- short person you know and oh, he's also terminally ill that's that's the point he's got yeah. death hanging over him he's got some sort of issue the doctor's told him he won't live he says there's no there's no magic in the world and this sort of thing. I thought this is actually quite good dialogue. Where's this come from? <laughs> but then he, he maybe he wrote it. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah, his ad libbed. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then uh, he gets transformed into a, like a literal elf puppet. So same kind of actor, but rendered in like rubber with like pointy ears. Um, so that's the end of him. But what's quite funny here is that the reason why he gets turned into like a a static puppet is because then the troll character has to pick up this thing so he he has to be in the suit of the troll to be able to pick up the effigy of himself yeah so he's going to look at this terrifying uh, effigy a miniature of himself and so obviously you, you couldn't have the actor in both they only had one dwarf and they, they had to make do so mm. that I, I imagine he never quite forgot what it felt like to hold this weird rubber mold of his own body <laughs> the puppets and the plants just kind of start taking over uh, some really rushed exposition here um uh, eunice just explains oh well once upon a time you know torok was a handsome prince and he annoyed a witch all this usual sort of stuff and he was cursed to be a troll now he's raising his fairy army to take his revenge this is his only cosmic chance so he only gets three days to do this i don't know why I don't know if you were catching any of this plot. I um, was trying not to drift off. <laughs> <laughs> trying to concentrate. but uh... It was some sort of the typical, like something in The Witcher, like someone gets cursed and turned into a troll and you've got to break the curse. It's like that sort of mm. stuff, basically. You've only got three days to do it for some reason. Eunice turns into a younger woman for some reason. I'm not sure why. We go into like some hazy exterior. So we're outside. We're in like the woods again. It's all kicking off. Eunice gets turned into a tree stump, I believe. And then Harry Harry Jr. is able to save Wendy. Then this is quite an interesting finale. They they appear to have held back some of their budget so that they can have, 
your, your end of level boss at the end because yeah. just like story of Ricky when you get to the end and you get this amazing fucking uh, final boss in this film I wasn't expecting this but at the end they save it right to the end and they have this weird like demon troll that's about 10 foot tall <laughs> and is sort of summoned by by Turok to um, to fight Harry Jr and it can kind of turn into a bat as well it's like a demon bat troll thing pretty cool creation really like I think making it so massive, it didn't look as good as it could have if it was a normal size, but it's quite impressive that he has to fight this massive monster um, towards the end. And there's this weird kind of moment where the troll has a kind of a baby face turn. He turns against the boss as well and kind of changes his mind about the whole thing. Mm. Um, and they team up to defeat the big demon bat. <laughs> and they're kind of happy ever after then. And there's some sort of um, rug pull at the end where the cops go into the apartment, into the basement, and then all of a sudden he gets like sucked into the woods. Yeah. And so it's all going to start again, perhaps. Who knows? And then this bizarre puppet musical number over the end credits again. <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you missed it the first time, here it is again. <laughs> it was original music for the film. You may as well play it twice. <laughs> So there it is, Troll from 1986. What were your overall thoughts of this one, Mark? Yeah, it was pretty good. I didn't write any down, but there were some good lines towards the beginning, mainly. Um, There's a semblance of a script in here somewhere. Yeah. I got a bit lost in the middle because I wasn't paying full attention. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just some kind of nonsense fantasy story in the middle. And then yeah. it got interesting at the end again. So. Yeah, it got kind of quite video game at the end. Yeah, um, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it was schlocky. It's um, not as bad as I was expecting, given the second one, yeah. which we'll go on to. But um, I mean, it was bad. <laughs> it is bad. It, it is a very um, ill-judged horror kids' film. It's everything that that Gremlins isn't, uh, you know, mm. or um, or Critters. You know, those are films with little like bitey monsters that kids can watch, and, it, and it's a real good balance between the the childlike fantasy and the, and the quite good effects and stuff. And yeah. You can see what they were trying to go for, and this is part of of several. We've we've talked about Leprechaun as well, and several um, little rubber monster movies. I'm sure we'll do several more as well. It's just Gremlins was such a huge a huge hit in 1984 that you know everyone was trying to trying to get on that kind of train of like, oh my god, you can make horror films for kids? That seems like such a huge Venn diagram, you know, yeah. kids will watch it, their parents will watch it, <laughs> everyone will watch it, you know, and ev most of the 80s was spent with films like this trying to to capture that same balance uh, from Gremlins, and yeah. none of them did really, apart from Critters, but Troll here fell, fell pretty far of the Gremlins sort of uh, high bar that was mm. set, but there was some stuff to like in here. The short actor I thought was, was very good. Yeah, I feel like if there was more of him in it, then it would have been a pretty good film. <laughs> yeah, he turned up quite late. And yeah. then he didn't really sort of drifted away from him again. There yeah. wasn't really much more of him after that. There was a somewhat of a good script. There was a couple of good actors. There was some really good set design. There were also some really bad actors. And mm. um, I thought the creature design and the practical effects weren't up to scratch really when you put it up with with other stuff they, they tried for a lot of creatures and as a result a lot of them looked quite poor yeah there it is troll a, a bit of a, a kind of a forgettable <laughs> mid-80s creature feature but it did lay the very important foundation for troll too okay which brings us on to uh, one of the more infamous bad movies in history i can't believe it's taken us over a year to get here but we are finally here Troll 2 from 1990. Much of uh, everything you need to know about this film really was covered in a documentary that came out about five years or so ago called Best Worst Movie. 
uh, would recommend that to everyone listening. Gives you all the background behind this just incredible chaos and incredible story behind how this film was was made and how this could possibly have been allowed to to happen to be <laughs> produced. Directed here by Claudio Fragasso, uh, an Italian um, director. Uh, it is called Troll 2, but it has nothing to do with Troll 1. There was no relationship between the studios, the directors, and the same writers. It is uh, basically, it was going to be called Goblin or Nilbog, maybe. And at the last minute, they called this one Troll 2, so people would think it was a sequel to Troll, which apparently did quite well, believe mm-hmm. it or not. So, yeah, this film is called Troll 2 to trick people into watching it who enjoyed Troll 1. Mm. And that is it. Actually produced by a guy called Joe D'Amato, who is an infamous kind of exploitation uh, erotic cinema um, producer as well. So you don't get the same kind of kids film flavour with this one <laughs> as much. There, there are two things that I think that, that you and everyone need to know before we talk about this film that really frame it in, in a, uh, the correct context. First thing you need to know is that nobody in this film is an actor. Nobody. And it's not hard to believe. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're not shocked. Uh, Everyone in this film turned up to a casting call to be extras and were cast as lead actors. Hmm. That's how they got their cast. They didn't want to pay real actors. The father here is a dentist. Um, (laughs) Many of them have other professions. They They just wanted to be an extra in a movie and they all got cast in prominent lead speaking roles. That's the first thing you need to know. And the second most important thing to know is that this script was written by someone who does not speak English, translated poorly by someone who does not speak English, (laughs) and they insisted that all the cast read the script verbatim, even though many of them insisted that it made no grammatical sense, (laughs) no sense in the context of the story. (laughs) They were shouted down by uh, Mr. Fragasso here and told to read it exactly as had been uh, written or translated, I, I suppose, wow. in this context. So, in fact, the entire cast, English speaking, the entire crew and director, Italian speaking, no real intersection. One person on the on the crew was able to speak English and Italian, but apart from that, it was people talking, presumably in their own language, loudly and pointing <laughs> and gesturing. That's that's how the the uh, casting and crew were able to communicate. So taking both of those things into account, you can kind of see how we did end up with with what we did get here. The film does open in in a very similar way to Troll 1, um, fairy tale style. There's um, a a fairy sort of boy called, I think, Peter, wandering through the woods, and there's uh, kind of, we get our, again, first glimpse of the monsters here two minutes in, and you can see it's a very watered-down version of the, the Troll from the first film. These are very basic generic looking rubber masks on short people in sort of wearing potato sacks it's Mm. poor very poor creature effects from the get-go this guy meets a beautiful maiden in the woods that feeds him this green liquid which is going to come up a lot in the film and uh, it's revealed that this story is being told by a character called grandpa seth um he's reading this to his grandson josh but then his mum comes up and says time to go to bed and there's no grandpa there and it's revealed in a shocking twist five <laughs> minutes in uh, that Grandpa Seth has died quite a while ago. And uh, Josh is um, sadly uh, still having hallucinations and visions of his of his grandpa. But uh, the dad's not worried because they're all going to go on vacation to Nilbog <laughs> in a house 
swap. So a family from Nilbog and they could come stay in their house in the big city. We're not sure where this is, the the big city. <laughs> and they're going to go stay in a place called Nilbog, which he boasts has a kind of population of 50 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Throughout this film, this guy's just doing the typical fucking city guy goes into the countryside with his family and every five minutes you smell that guys that's country air you see that that's a country meadow you're just constantly pointing out the differences between the city and the country like an asshole dad would you know look there's nature here yeah why don't you look at that tree son you don't get those in this city and all that sort of stuff like look at the hospitality here and all that kind oh, yeah, of stuff yeah because there's all the food laid out for them and stuff. yeah yeah so there's a lot of that a lot of his dialogue is is that the older sister uh holly has got a sort of a romantic plot as well with her boyfriend elliot um, he sort of climbs up into her room. She gets, I think she gets some of the, the biggest howlers in the film in terms of dialogue. <laughs> Elbows him in the groin. And he says, what are you trying to do? Turn me into a homo. <laughs> Which is great. And then um, she's like, well, you can come on holiday, but don't bring all your friends. I don't believe in group sex. <laughs> what does that mean? You don't believe in it. Like, it, it is a thing. Like You don't have to do it. <laughs> She just bangs on about like how much she hates him, like having his friends there. Yeah, she doesn't come across well as the girlfriend. No. Right? Like I felt quite a sympathy for him. You yeah. Know? But then he no shows the next morning, and uh, obviously causes causes a massive problem. She's in a right mood in the car. Her dad says, uh, "I'm sorry that your beau didn't turn up." And she said, "He's not my beau. He's my boyfriend." <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, this, this scene reminded me quite a lot of like um, National Lampoon's um, vacation where they're all in the car sort of arguing and I guess it's been in a lot of sort of summer family films Yeah, they're all kind of uh, arguing and snapping at each other so okay let's all have a sing song then Josh can you sing? yeah okay row 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 your boat but then they all start singing along but they can't even do that in time with each yeah. other and they, they don't even not even all of them know the words to row your boat. <laughs> like, you must know the words to row your boat. Like, and that's not, maybe it was in the script. Maybe maybe the Italian script just trails off. Yeah. Row your boat. But at this point, we see that Elliot is actually following in a camper van, an, an RV, uh, with three of his friends. So he gets to have the lad's holiday and he gets to go with his girlfriend as well. Girlfriend isn't happy. Mm. she's not no. <laughs> get another hallucination for this Josh um, character I think he might have like brain damage or something or a severe mental illness because he's seeing his grandpa when he's died long ago he has these hallucinations where he starts bleeding green from the f- hairline yeah. um, he's got twigs coming out of his hands yeah, in a different light this could be a harrowing tale of a boy with severe mental disabilities yeah. but um, not, not in this case <laughs> We get to um, Nilbog, finally. Exchange family is standing outside the house. They're all looking a bit sort of scabby. They've got weird scabs on their heads. You're late. Yes, I'm sorry we had a little bit of a, a bit of a hold-up. He's like, okay, well, here's the keys. Hope you enjoy Nilbog. And he's, he's like, well, I hope you enjoy our city. And they start getting in the car. <laughs> I hope you enjoy our house. And he just starts listing... All the stuff their house v- ...various has. items in his house that I'm sure they have as well, like... <laughs> microwave fridge video player. a video player i mean it's 1990 I, I know they live in a small town but um like they've already started driving off and yeah. it's like 
Refrigerator. <laughs> Microwave. <laughs> please, oh, please, please be impressed. Yeah, not nothing spectacular here. <laughs> Front door. Lampshade. Like, like, give up, man. Like, they're gone, you know? As soon as they come in, uh, all the food has been prepared. Uh, all the food has a weird sort of minty green icing on it. Um, the colour of the sort of liquid that, that the trolls um, drink. Josh is, is beckoned over to the window where the hallucination of his dead grandpa is again. He says it's very important that you do not let them eat that food. Whatever you do, do not let them eat that food. You have 30 seconds. <laughs> it's like a fucking weird game show. And then, so he turns around and his family are just freeze frame. They're not moving for some reason. And he, they say he has 30 seconds. He walks around and sort of scratches his chin for, I would say, about two minutes <laughs> as they're freeze framed. And this is just, it's just, mm, oh, what can I do? And it's just all building up to this ludicrous scene where he stands on a chair and undoes his fly. And you're just thinking, what the fuck is going to happen here? And they don't show it, but... The implication is that he pisses all over the food, <laughs> yeah. and they're scraping off the food into the bin. It's just ri- ridiculous. Um, unfreeze because the dad just gets really angry. Yeah, <laughs> his sister, his dad, his dad kind of picks him up over the shoulder and just, like stomps around the house trying to find a an appropriate room to to give him a telling off. <laughs> um, his sister says that's going to be a big spanking for a little shit, <laughs> which is a great line. But this is all leading up to uh, the dad's. Uh, star moment in this film is his line that uh, he's been repeating for years now at conventions you can't piss on hospitality (laughs) there's this very strange gag here which doesn't quite land where for a long time he seems to be um undoing his belt as though he's going to give him a a a seeing to with the belt he's like oh no what are you gonna do and he's like i'm tightening my belt so i won't have to eat Something about hunger pangs or something like. So, so if you're not going to eat, pangs. I'm not going to eat. Yeah. So the kids' punishment is that the rest of the family aren't going to eat for like two days. <laughs> Very strange. The again. way he delivers the line is just ridiculous as well. Yeah, it, it's convoluted. It doesn't make any sense. Again, this is poor translation from Italian, I think. <clears throat> so yeah, now the family are, are inexplicably on hunger strike. Uh, we cut here to uh, a bunch of the horny lads in the RV. And uh, one of them called Arnold. He's a kind of nerdy lad. He sort of um, sees a girl running through the woods, all sort of clothes torn, and he and he thinks, "Ooh, <laughs> uh, an easy target." So he chases after her. All he, these lads are all pretty rapey. He chases this girl through the woods, encounters the, the the trolls, and he's not really that bothered. He tells them to to bugger off, basically, and then they spear him. It's all this convoluted sort of chase sequence to get him to the... Um, one of the main sets of this film is the church, but inside there's like a witch's lair. So it's all kind of gothic, Dracula's castle inside. And we get the witch character, who I would say, other than her ludicrous overacting, is probably still the best actor in the film, hmm. other than maybe the kid. I don't know if I mentioned as well, the actor that plays Josh, the kid, would would go on to direct Best Worst Movie. Ah. So I guess twenty years later, or so. Yeah. So um, I would say he was an all right actor, if mm. overacting. And same about her. She's sort yeah. of done up to look like this mad kind of old goth woman with a nondescript European accent. Tommy Wiseau could be from anywhere <laughs> in, in Europe, kind of accent. Yeah. Um, she she um, 
explains that she's descended from druids and she's from Stonehenge. Yeah, that gets mentioned uh, a few times. Why haven't you got an English accent? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they know where Stonehenge is, these Italians. No. She makes them drink green goo and then the girl sort of starts throwing it up and goes upstairs, starts sort of dissolving and then trolls start sort of attacking her and then you get the the most famous line in this <laughs> film that I'm sure everyone listening to this will already have heard is is the the very slow zoom on the on Arnold with his glasses they're eating her then they're going to eat me oh, oh my god, god. <laughs> so everyone's seen that everyone's seen that clip I'm sure and it is fucking brilliant um, it never gets old that's that's really the peak of this film I think yeah. but we continue um, another one of the lads from the uh, the RV goes shopping and um He's met by this kind of uh, very odd um, store owner. This is fairly unbelievable, but if if you think the guy who played the store owner looked a little bit intense and a little bit crazed, that is because he was an actual mental patient who was on day release from a mental hospital <laughs> and ended up being cast uh, during this extras casting call as someone with dialogue in this film. Wow. So he said that when he watched it back, he was not acting. This was how he was at that time. He was going through like a bad time and he was just like that. He was that intense and, and wild-eyed all the time. So um, initially it appears like a, not a bad performance, but it's not actually a performance. So there's the fucking, you know, the irresponsibility of, of I don't know how this guy was allowed to, to partake in a, a film whilst he was... Um, out from a mental hospital, but um, there he is. He pushes the special milk <laughs> onto uh, Drew, I think this lad is. Um, it's got lots of vitamin D in it. I don't think I've mentioned yet, but um, another thing that frames the context of this film is that the, the director's wife came up with the idea for the story, and she wrote it because several of her friends had become vegetarian at the same time. And she was pissed off with them. <laughs> <laughs> so if it feels like this film has a strong... Anti-vegetarianism or meat versus vegetarianism. That is why. It was literally, this woman was a meat eater and she got really pissed off that all her friends went vegetarian. She couldn't invite them round. So she wrote this, whether it was a treatment or the full script, I wouldn't be surprised. But she wrote this to get back at her friends which had gone vegetarian. Arnold character has by now been um, put in a pot uh, (laughs) with sort of twigs coming out of him. And turned into, well, it says turned into a tree, she says, but I think that's being generous. I think he's standing in a big plant pot with what looks like a big, like, fake dog shit on his face. Not very convincing effects here. I would say we're about 45 minutes into the film, and um, there's a shocking revelation from Joshua. Nilbog <laughs> looks at it in the mirror, mirror of a car. That spells goblin backwards. <laughs> if only, if only someone would have noticed that sooner, um, could have been avoided. Um, the witch bakes an ancient cake that has intestine purifying properties. <laughs> Sounds delicious. Um, she gives it to the family. Um, we get this weird scene where there's like all the village is is in a barn and there's like a a preacher kind of character who who's again talking about. Look at these fat humans stuffing their uh, burgers and their steaks, and like, oh, they're so disgusting. These humans, um, so sort of 
suggesting that no one no one in the village is human everyone in the village is like a, a vegetarian goblin um, <laughs> only goblins could be vegetarians only yeah only disgusting little goblins could be vegetarians Joshua kind of sneaks in and tra- and watches this meeting and he sees that the exchange family they're meant to be swapping houses with never actually left town they just went to the barn for this <laughs> anti anti meat talk yeah <laughs> How will they ever discover microwave and VHS <laughs> players? Like the, the fools, you're missing out. They're going to be sitting in the woods with their tofu, and you know they're not going to know about modern society. Like this is terrible. But uh, Josh is discovered, of course, and they they try and force him to eat ice cream. Oh no, <laughs> terror! Yeah, they're, they're not vegans. I notice these characters. They yeah. still eat ice cream and and they love milk. If anything, they're like. They drink a lot. They seem to go for a lot of dairy for vegetarians. <laughs> like you, you think they were trying to push the whole plant thing, but they they drink a lot of milk, a lot of ice cream, a lot of like cakes and stuff like that. Yeah. So, if anything, they're anti-vegan. Mm. And there is a scene where the the dad sits on the porch of the store, reading a book about vegetarian cooking, and oh, the, yeah. the, the the illustration on the front is just like a couple of onions and a carrot or something like that. And the camera just slowly zooms in, and the shot lasts for so long. Oh no! Vegetarian cooking. Ah. This is a horror movie to someone for sure, but but not not to any of us. Uh, Drew makes an attempt to rescue Arnold from the witch's house um, by very slowly dragging the pot that he's rooted in. It's not, not a very scintillating action sequence, I have to say. The witch ends up chainsawing his legs off while he giggles to himself. At this point, the house is taken over by this by this weird vegetarian cult. They're all just in there, and they've made a lovely banquet to apologise for the misunderstanding when they tried to force-feed uh, Josh ice cream. Mm. It was just a misunderstanding. We've made you a lovely banquet. Eat it! Eat it! <laughs> uh, Josh is told to go to his room, but luckily, Grandpa Seth turns up again. And gives him a Molotov cocktail (laughs) out of nowhere. It's like, oh, kind, loving grandpa who is a ghost. What can you possibly do to help me? Try one of these. (laughs) Try try this homemade explosive device. Oh, thanks very much. Bizarre. I think the director was trying to mix in a bit of like Rambo or Commando halfway through. Like, you know what? We haven't set anything on fire. Can we set something on fire? And so the Molotov cocktail actually goes off while it's in the, the preacher's hand, and he very slowly, comically burns to death uh, in front of everyone. <laughs> but then once he has burnt to death, you can then see that he was a goblin underneath. Mm. The hollow sort of goblin shell. It gets pretty out of control here. Between, between the Molotov cocktails and the people burning to death, the witch teleports into the house but appears as a goblin... Has a hand chopped off, but then sticks it in the stone henge and it regenerates. Just fucking ramblings. Oh, ramblings <laughs> of a madman by this point. Uh, the preacher makes the ghost of Grandpa have another heart attack and die a ghost death. Die again. <laughs> um, so he's not allowed to be a ghost anymore somehow. We get this completely unnecessary and unrelated scene where the witch casts a spell on herself which turns her into a bit of a sexy goth yeah so she hasn't got like the weird scabby lips and crazy hair she's like a bit of an elvira kind of character you know sexy goth i think it's the same actress and she goes to seduce the last remaining lad in the in the rv presumably just because it's a loose end and we have to do something (laughs) we can't just leave this character out there we've got to tie it up pretty late in the game i would say (laughs) 
And there's just this unbelievable sequence <laughs> where, um, well, then... like he, he turns on the telly and he, he sees her outside, oh, yeah. sort of vamping her way towards the thing with the corn and the cob. And there's some sort of bootleg version of Sledgehammer playing, <laughs> like sexy. Um, and he's like, what kind of show is this? What show is this? <laughs> it's like, I think it's. I think the director thinks this is like porn for vegetarians or something. <laughs> like women with corn on the cobs and cucumber doing unspeakable things. You know, it's like it's so weird. It results in one of the more awkward sex scenes: kissing with a corn on the cob and eating it. It's fucking horrible. But he says, well, "I do like popcorn." She's like, "Oh well." Why don't we heat things up? So it just starts raining popcorn in this, in this trailer. I think it's raining popcorn to, to sim- suggest that there's an orgasm happening yeah. at some point. Like in some movies when they cut away to fireworks. Yeah. This is like popcorn. Um, to show that this lad's like blowing his load in his pants. <laughs> the purpose of this? I have no idea. It's, it's dragging on a bit now. All the family run back inside the house where for some inexplicable reason the townspeople can't come back in again so they were in there a minute ago and then they all piled out to see what was happening when someone was burning to death the family runs back in and now they can't go back in again they just have to stand outside and um, taunt them with sandwiches (laughs) like chuck some sandwiches you're gonna have to eat sometime have some sandwiches (laughs) it's very kind (laughs) thanks very much they have a, an impromptu seance to summon Grandpa again. Like, I thought he was dead. Like, dead, dead. Um, Grandpa handily informs us that there's only ten minutes left in the film. <laughs> so we better get a move on. And then all of a sudden the townspeople turn into goblins and they can enter the house for some weird fucking reason. So it's just all it's all a big fucking mess here. Goblins are being punched down the stairs, um, falling off of balconies... I was thinking, is this coming to an end, or is it just just starting again? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's flitting between the house and the witch's house because Josh has teleported himself to the witch's house for some reason. There's some sort of portal between the house and the witch's houses for reasons of budget, probably. (laughs) The idea is that you need to destroy Stonehenge, and then that will destroy something. But really what I took away here was the way that the goblins were defeated is that Josh takes out his bologna sandwich that his mother offered him on the drive up, but he'd never eat. And he's like, a double-decker bologna sandwich. That's right, meat. There's meat in this sandwich. You don't like that, do you? And they're like, no, don't don't do it. Don't do it. And he bites into it, and they all start freaking out and like dissolving, and eyeballs are popping. And the rest of the family lay their hands on Stonehenge at the same time. <laughs> it's just nonsense. They all they all melt and, and get destroyed. The family go back to their own house, back to the comfort of the microwave and uh, refrigerator. For some reason, it's just the mum and the kid. I think the other two have to go off and do something else for some reason. The kid said, oh, I'm going to go upstairs and have a nap. And then he comes back down and is... is <laughs> a very poor effigy of his naked mother on the dinner table. <laughs> just you just see like this pl- like rubber tit sticking up in the air, and she's just being eaten by five or six goblins again. Yeah. And then the kid does his best. Oh my god! <laughs> again and freeze frame, and that's the end. Not a very happy ending, <laughs> as, as it turns out. And this is not a hallucination, as far as we're aware. <laughs> this is they survived the entire film for his mother to be eaten in front of him <laughs> as a finale. 
Oh, it just doesn't send you home very happy, does it? That's it. We didn't, didn't know what's going to happen after that. Not much resolution. No. Not a very happy ending. Troll, there you go. Troll 2.5, anyone? There was a Troll 3. Oh. I haven't seen it. Apparently it was unrelated. Mm. But there you go. Troll 2, uh, an icon of bad film uh, cinema. What were your overall impressions of your first watch <laughs> of, of Troll 2, Mark? Wow. It was hilarious. The acting was absolutely terrible. It was because they're not actors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I didn't know until you said that. Yeah, exactly. About half an hour ago. <laughs> but it frames it. Definitely yeah. didn't surprise me. The dialogue is awful, um, as in well, the whole script. Yeah, it's just rubbish. Um, but it's hilarious. The, the plot kind of just goes all over the place, <clears throat> especially towards the end. You just jam packed like, for how long on? it is. I'm not sure yeah. how long it is, but they cram so much into this film, and it's like an hour and a half. I think. It's a pretty good like laugh count. You laugh yeah. pretty much once every twenty or thirty seconds. Yeah. Like it's is a reason why it's up there in terms of bad movies. I like enjoyed it. it. I laughed a yeah. lot, and uh, yeah, it was ridiculous and fun. You can see why <laughs> it has the the reputation yeah. in the community. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's um it's funny because um, Claudio uh, Agrasso, the director, he's he's one of these people that's made a bad movie and has not quite decided um, how to handle it yet. You know, mm. like Tommy Wiseau for a while, wasn't quite sure. Yeah. Um, initially, he was deeply offended that people thought this was a bad movie. How dare you? This is a masterpiece. But then, as he saw the success it was having as a cult film, well, of course, I wrote it as a comedy. <laughs> of course, you're meant to laugh. It's it's a it's a very clever um, comical satire on, yeah. on uh, vegetarianism. And, yeah, of course, <laughs> yeah, of course it is. Um, but then he's had these moments where apparently a couple of years ago there was a Q&A with the, with the cast and uh, he, he turned up uninvited and just shouted, you're all dogs, you're all liars <laughs> at the cast. So it seems like he flits between um, being quite offended that people think this is a bad movie and, and sort of making the best of it as 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 Tommy Wiseau does so mm. he he's a pretty interesting character I'm not sure what else he he directed but I think again this is the the right formula for a bad movie this is someone doing what they thought was something amazing and was super clever and it was going to be a huge hit yeah I'm sure it didn't do very well on its on its release and probably no. Troll 1 was considered the uh, the masterpiece but it's obviously gone on to become an iconic film as I said everyone can watch best um, worst movie, the documentary, much like the um, the Isle of Do- Dr. Moreau documentary you mentioned a few episodes ago, it, it kind of just tells a fascinating story of just a complete shitstorm and how how these things were were able to happen, how they how they sort of came together. So, yeah, Troll Two, well well deserved icon of of bad movie Hall of Fame. So, Mark, if you had if you had to uh, invite one of these films around to your house. In a great show of hospitality, <laughs> um, and if you had to uh, banish one to the woods, which one would you have for tea? Which one would you banish? Well, I think this is quite an easy decision. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have Troll Two around for tea. Yeah, because um, it would amuse you to know. Yeah, yeah. Not only because it was funnier and more ridiculous and worse, but also just so much more iconic. Yeah, like. Oh my god! And like everything yeah. about it is just the highlight reel for this film. The one is... everyone remembers, and yeah. one everyone wants to watch. Really, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and it was. I just did enjoy it more. I laughed more. It was more stupid. I agree. <laughs> Troll Two is is a real masterpiece of bad uh, filmmaking. If anything, Troll One had 
too much talent <laughs> in it, in it. Uh, and that's not, not to say that it had a lot of talent um, but it, it had too much working against it in terms of um, some semblance of a script and, and actual actors um, I just can't believe that these people were cast in, 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 as, as lead actors in a film yeah. I can't believe that this sort of script was able to uh, to come out the way it did and be performed the way it did just you know, bad bad movies are made great when when uh, inept people try really hard, yeah. and um, that's what this director and his wife were doing. They tried really hard to make what they thought was a brilliant pastiche of uh, uh, vegetarianism and the way society was going. <laughs> oh, look at you goblins eating your green stew! You know? <laughs> Troll Two, a, a true masterpiece of the of the genre, if you can call it that, and uh, and one that's been. Going to go on for years and years, I think. It's going to have the longevity of, of uh, the room and, and things like that. It's going to keep going. And um, many of the people who are in this film have, have sort of become minor celebrities in their own right. The the dentist that was in Troll 2, the only acting role this guy's ever done, and then he went back to being a dentist right afterwards. <laughs> he says sometimes he's uh, doing a filling on someone and they'll go, hang on. <laughs> Don't piss on hospitality! Um, stuff like that. And obviously the, the little kid made a documentary about it. So in fact, the, the cast have done quite well out of this. I don't know about the director, but... You think they've made some money off mm-hmm. of this? Possibly, yeah. I mean, they go to conventions and stuff, so you've got to yeah. make a little bit of money off of that. So There it is. Uh, Troll 2, the better bad movie here, but Troll 1 worth checking out as well if you like 80s kind of creature feature, rubber monster type movies. So, uh, please do subscribe to the podcast. Uh, every time we release a new one, you will be the first one to know. Um, if you could give us a share around, let your friends know about the, the bad movie podcast. Uh, that would be great as well. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. That really helps us out as well. Um, like I said, go over to the YouTube channel. Um, we do post all of these podcasts on there as videos if you'd like to uh, listen to your podcasts on YouTube. And uh, we've also started posting these short, sharp schlock videos which review uh, more recent movies that you may have actually seen um, <laughs> or, or interested in seeing. and uh, Probably enjoyed. <laughs> maybe enjoyed, yeah. We've got a couple of them up on, on, on there already. Um, actually, uh, my review of Midsummer uh, has already had over a hundred views. I know that's uh, a movie that people can't stop talking about, and uh, uh, yeah, one of the more fascinating uh, movies of the year. Absurd in places. In places, it could be a bad movie, but mm-hmm. for the most part, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty interesting. Uh, so, if if you want to let me know what you thought of uh, of Midsummer or more recent movies like Godzilla, King of the Monsters, uh, Boar, the giant pig movie. Um, I Am Mother, the Netflix film I've, I've got reviews for all those ones on there so go onto the YouTube channel, let me know what you thought of those films and stay tuned for more uh, short sharp schlocks so that has been another episode of Schlock Tactics my name is Ash, and I've been joined by Mark Good night, and we'll see you next time Bye, Bye.